From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. Today I'm here with co-host Elise Daly Parker. She's a life coach, a writer, speaker. Also here is Noelle Rhodes. She's a writer, storyteller, and curator of life. Also with us is Kimberly Coyle. She's a writer, mother, and gypsy at heart. And I'm Kimberly Amici, a writer, designer, and community builder. I'm so excited that we're all here together today in one place. There's so much diversity. There's so many different personalities here. It's so fun to be with you guys, and I'm definitely excited about doing this podcast with you. So today we're going to find out a little bit more about each other. This is the community that sort of is the foundation of our podcast, Slices of Life, from Circles of Faith. And we're really excited, again, to kind of talk to one another and maybe learn some new things about one another, but definitely give... Um, all of you, our gatherers, our hunters and gatherers, uh, an opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. Um, some of the, the kind of um, basics of who we are and what we're about and also um, maybe some surprises along the way. Yeah. Just to give you guys a quick background, about three years ago, Elise and I created Circles of Faith. It was an online community of writers sharing their stories. And Kimberly and Noelle have both written for us. They have been contributing writers. All right, so let's just go ahead and make our introductions. Uh, We can start off with Kimberly Coyle. Um, Just take about five minutes and give us your background. Tell us who you are. Yes, okay. You might want to set a timer because I could talk about myself for a long time, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably why I blog. Um, Let's see. So starting out, um, I grew up um, as a pastor's kid in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. I um, went to Christian school for most of my life until I hit high school when my parents decided to put me in the local public school, which was um, slightly terrifying. And it was uh, a school that was known for a lot of things and being a welcoming environment was not one of them. So um, that was a bit rough, but... um, I actually met my husband in elementary school at our little private Christian school. Um, I've known my husband since he was in fifth grade and I was in third grade. Um, And we started dating in my junior year of high school. So we were high school sweethearts, um, have been together ever since I was 17. And we are celebrating our 20th anniversary, um, June 1st. So... um, Yeah. So let's see. Leading up to marriage, um, I decided in college when I couldn't think of what major to um, focus on, I decided on a whim to become a nurse. And I didn't anticipate that um, not enjoying science or bodily fluids or like actually touching people would maybe be a problem as a nurse. So um, it took me a few years of of realizing, like, oh, my gosh, I've studied four years for this, and I hate it, and it's terrifying to me. Um, I had seven nursing jobs in five years because I kept trying to find, like, my niche, and um, my niche was actually to not be a nurse. So so once I figured that out, uh, I swiftly had a child um, so I could – No, not so I could get out of work. I wanted a child. Um, (laughs) I really wanted a kid uh, because we were married a few years. Um, 
ready to have kids. And once my oldest was born, um, shortly after that, I quit working because not because I had a child, but because we moved to England. So, um, my life took quite a turn, um, in my early, yeah, early twenties, my husband and I and our daughter moved to England. We lived there for, uh, three and a half years. And then we moved to New Jersey, um, for uh, six years. And that was a really dark period of my life when I was like raging against the Lord. Like, why have you brought me here? I hate this place. Um, <laughs> and, and when I finally started to come to terms with living in New Jersey, um, we got transferred to Switzerland. So, um, lived in Switzerland for three and a half years and are, have now returned back to New Jersey and we have additional children. So I'm a mother of three now. Um, and I am a writer. I've been writing for many years, many, many years online. Um, finally discovered that that was actually my true calling, not so much the nursing. Um, and that words are, um, praying and life giving to me. And as a lifelong reader, um, now I am a hopefully lifelong writer and I'm in school studying to get my master of fine arts in creative nonfiction. So that is where I'm at right now. Awesome. What do you write about? Um, I write about whatever my heart fancies, which I'm told is not cool. Um, if you're trying <laughs> to actually publish anything, um, yeah. So being quite that wide is not great. So actually I've, I've narrowed down the scope. I do focus a lot on, um, a lot on belonging. I write a lot about belonging, having moved back and forth to a number of different places and having to find my footing and who I am and, um, who my family is and my role in that place has been, um, kind of the undercurrent of my life, like just figuring out where I belong and how I belong there. And, um, you know, what happens when God brings us somewhere else and, um, you know, so that's, that's what I write a lot about. And I do write quite a bit about being a mom as well, but I would hate to be called a mommy blogger. That would be really painful. So <laughs> let's, let's reject that idea. But yeah, I do write about that too. What about you, Noelle? Well, I am born and raised in North Jersey and uh, I was actually born on the hottest day of August in 1982, but people typically think that I was born on Christmas Day because my name is Noelle. <laughs> so I have no idea what my parents were smoking. Um, <laughs> I really don't. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in North Jersey. I, um, I kind of was a church brat and really just kind of went along with whatever Whatever everybody wanted me to do in church is what I did. And towards the end of my high school years, I really kind of had a crisis of faith where I had to make a decision. Do I really believe this is real or am I just kind of going along with it because it's a cultural thing that my family does? And I, I really, I chose Jesus. But at that time, I was supposed to be going to acting school in New York. And I had this radical encounter and I felt like, wow, I really... Like, I really do love Jesus. I really do um, believe in who he is. And so I thought, I need to do something. And so I just, w without even asking my parents' permission, I applied to a Bible college. And I came home one day. I think it was like a week before I was supposed to leave to go to acting school. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to acting school anymore. I'm going to Bible college. And my <laughs> parents were a little bit like, 
what? Like they were really thrown off because they had invested uh, like a lot of money and, you know, all the things you invest in when you're sending your kid to a performing arts school. And I said, no, I really feel like this was supposed to do. And my dad was like, well, how much is it? And it wound up being like $30,000 cheaper to send me to Bible college than it was to <laughs> And my dad was like, yes, I believe the Lord is speaking to you about that. <laughs> so he sent me. And uh, to this day, I'm not exactly sure why I went to Bible college. Um, but I met my husband there. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him and being like, oh, he's good looking. And very excited that I was in this place where there was a lot of Christian boys. <laughs> and so we kind of became friends and um, hung out all the time. But secretly, I I was, like, madly in love with him and was just waiting for the day that he realized his his love for me. And he when he told me that he liked me, um, this is kind of an interesting story, he, like, said, do you want to go for a drive? Because we went to Bible college. There was something fun to do. So he went on drives. And so he went on this drive, and he said to me, listen, I've really gotten to know you. I have feelings for you. I'd really like us to be more than friends. And I was obviously overjoyed, but I didn't want him to know. So I tried to, like, appear (laughs) very spiritual. And in this car ride, I closed my eyes and, like, pretended to pray about it. But actually, (laughs) I fell asleep. He had to wake me up when when we drove back to school. He had to wake me up and be like, oh, we're we're back at the dorm. You kind of have to leave. And I was so mortified. I realized I'd fallen asleep and I hadn't said anything. <laughs> weirdo. And I got out of the car and I was like, this is so weird. I've, and I've blown it. I've like, I've like missed this chance to this hot Christian guy. And so I quickly like opened the door and was like, I like you too. And I like shut the door and, and we've been married 13 years next week. So, you know, it worked out in the end and yeah, became youth pastors. Um, Work in New Jersey for a little bit. Then in 2010, we moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland, to be missionaries. We took our two kids with us. We have a son, Silas, and a daughter named Olive, who are now nine and seven, and they are wild. Um, very, uh, I don't know what the word, I just say they're leaders because they really don't like to follow. So <laughs> they're great. Um, they really are fun, and they really, they've humbled me. I used to think I knew everything. <laughs> I don't know anything anymore. So, um, but they're really great kids. And we went to Northern Ireland, lived there for five and a half years, worked with two great churches. And in December 2015, we moved back to New Jersey. And very similar to Kimberly, I was like, why am I going back to New Jersey? Why can't I stay in Ireland? You know, mm-hmm. the Lord really changed my heart. And now we are back and we are just kind of, you know, figure out life. We have a home that we are remodeling right now and uh, we're kind of getting back into our groove, getting our kids settled. And right now I am writing a book about friendship and I blog and I speak and do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. And I wrangle my family together and make sure that no one dies. That's kind of like my main job is to keep everybody alive. So yeah, that's me. Elise. Wow. That's a hard Back to follow. <laughs> um, okay, so I am. Um, I started out in New Jersey, and I'm still in New Jersey, and I will probably always be in Jersey, but maybe not, <laughs> um, because I have kids that are kind of all over the place. So, 
I um, am one of five children. Um, there are four girls and a boy, and my sisters in particular are my best friends. So that's been a very rich experience. Um, and uh, that's kind of, uh, I grew up for the most part in Montclair, New Jersey from the time I was 10, and um, I'm still there, although not for much longer. Um, so I met my husband when I was in college. I went to Boston College, which was awesome. I loved it. And I was studying psychology and English. And my mother, um, who had a house that had lots of bedrooms, big old house, had um, boarders from Montclair State University down the street. And she literally called me and said, have I got a boarder for you? And it turned out it was Chris Parker. And he was a poet, um, getting his MFA from Columbia, very romantic. And he also had a daughter, which to me at that time seemed really romantic too. I didn't think about work that that might involve but um so it was all good when I got home I fell madly in love and you know not without its bumps along the way we have now been married for 31 years and we have four children we have four girls they are pretty much grown up um as I mentioned my stepdaughter Lauren is 38 and she's married and has given us two wonderful amazing yes it's it's as good as you hear about it grandchildren um <laughs> a girl two and a half and a new little boy who is just um, about four weeks old, maybe a little bit more than that. And then we have another daughter, Farrell, who's in D.C. She's an actress. And another daughter, Katie. She is in Philly, and she is a um, music therapist. Just got her master's in music therapy. And there's Amelia, who is 21 and st finishing up her um, college education. She's a senior this year. So um, they're mostly grown and gone, and I loved raising them. And yes, they totally challenged me. I thought I was going to be the most amazing mother in the world, and I wasn't. <laughs> um, but I still absolutely love it and uh, love when they come home. They were just home for a wonderful sort of family reunion this past weekend, and I just love having my children gather around the kitchen table and just hanging out with them. They're, they're great people, and I'm really blessed to have them. Um, as I said, mostly lived in Montclair. We had did a little stint in uh, Manhattan and a little stint in Hoboken, which is very common around these here parts. Um, but when it was time to come back and raise my kids, I, I came back to the place that I love, Montclair, for its diversity, for its complex culture. Um, and, I, and I just love it. It has sort of a city feel in the suburbs. Um, so... Then um, throughout my life, I've actually been an editor and a writer. Um, starting in college, when I was studying psychology at first, I had a teacher who said to me, said to all of us, if uh, an, an English teacher who said, if there's something that's burning in your heart, you can substitute one of my assignments for that story that you want to write. And I took that opportunity to write a story about my grandmother, who had lived with us for seven years and had passed away uh, when I was in high school. And it was really well received so that was my sort of moment to say I'm a writer and as I say that was probably freshman or sophomore year in college and I did study um, English and psychology and I feel like I've lived I've lived those things out actually so my thing out of that would be absolutely story um, that's where I where I kind of discovered it and I've continued to, to discover story the power of story I believe that everybody has a story every story matters I believe that stories have tremendous power 
to um, inform us of, of other people, but also of ourselves if we're reflective, to reform us so we get to look back on our stories and kind of go, ooh, that, that's good, that's bad, I'd like to change that. Um, or even if somebody can speak into our lives through their story and I say, oh, that's, that's something that I'd like to change, I'd like to be more like that. Or transform, because I do think that stories are transforming. And I love redemptive stories. I think life is really hard. And I, I think we, um, I don't mind being really honest about that. Um, and I like to think about and talk about what have we learned through those difficult times. I, I think my, my defining moments, quite frankly, were what I would call um, fast forward to faith. And when I was in my early 20s, I just thought God was great. He was this awesome guy. I prayed to him a lot. More than I realized, I look back on my journals now and I see I was praying a lot. Um, and that was modeled by my grandmother. Um, but I didn't know him the way I got to know him um, when the first thing that happened was I lost twins when I was five months pregnant. And that was horrible. And I really actually hated God. But it's what actually drew me to him. Um, after that, I, I call that my, my coming to Jesus moment, my recommitment, really. And then after that, um, my stepdaughter moved in. I had one baby. Uh, another one a month and a half away from being born and my 12 year old stepdaughter kind of moved in overnight and as awesome as she was I was not prepared so that's where I came to rely on God because I could not do what I needed to do without him and then finally uh, within this five-year period we moved we had moved back from Hoboken to Montclair and my husband was standing waiting for the bus and was hit by a car and suffered traumatic brain injury very serious at first couldn't walk talk didn't know me, didn't know our children, um, but that is where I came to absolutely walk step-by-step, hand-in-hand with God. So that's sort of my story of, um, again, defining moments that brought me into a rich faith life and, and really helped me to see redemption and story. And, um, and again, I value that tremendously, and I love to talk to people about their stories. I love to hear about their stories, and I love to write write stories and speak stories. I love to speak too. So yeah, that's, that's kind of defining me in some very loose ways. And, um, what about you? Let's hear from you, Kimberly Amici. Um, well, I grew up in a Christian home too. Um, let's see. We went to church every Sunday. I think it started when I was in second grade and my mom found Jesus. My dad wasn't really interested. He had his own faith. So he was very supportive of the choice my mom made. And so we went every Sunday and he'd be home in the afternoons waiting with dinner when we got home. I have a brother who's five years younger than me. I went to Syracuse University and kind of not abandoned my faith, but definitely felt a disconnect with my faith during high school. Just feeling like it was outdated, it wasn't relevant, it was a lot of rules, it was a lot of do's and don'ts. I don't ever remember really anybody investing into my life, even though I was involved in youth. You know, I just found church to be very clicky and, you know, at times isolating. Because I did go to a private school for about two years, and there was the private school kids and the public school kids. There was two groups, you know, and having been on both, you know, it's just, you know, kind of wasn't fun. But anyways, went off to college and really found myself, um, I guess the beginnings of me wrestling with my faith and what I believed. And 
and still tried to have one foot in church and one foot out of church, which we know doesn't really work all that well long term. After college, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I was, at the time, uh, had an opportunity to volunteer at the 96 Olympics. So that was fun. I had a friend who lived down there. He said I could sleep on his couch and come down and stay as long as I want. And so after the Olympics were over, I went home and said to my parents, I'm moving to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And the only stipulation is that I needed to find a good church. So my mom looked around and found me a good church. And so that was really those, those three years I lived in Atlanta was really the time where I wrestled with my faith and needed to have a relationship with Christ on my own and not tied to my parents. I needed to decide, am I going to do this church thing or not? And I chose that I would. So three years after being in Atlanta, I was visiting New York City and I met my husband. And after a few months, uh, we kind of connected and started doing emails, started doing visits, and we started dating. And it was really just a short five months after we started dating that I had moved to Manhattan to be with him. And that was a that was an adventure all its own because Manhattan is a crazy place to live. Um, takes a lot of getting used to. I had to re get used to the climate all over again, having loved my time in Atlanta. But he was uh, not a Christian when we met, and so that was one of those things where we had to figure out what it meant for us to do life with God. And so I had to let go a lot of my preconceived notions about what Christianity was and embrace a denomination that, you know, I wasn't familiar with, but it was what worked for him. And so he became a Christian. We got married. We spent a few more years in the city, um, got pregnant with my oldest daughter and moved to the Burbs. So that's how we ended up in New Jersey. Never thought I'd live in New Jersey. I mean, I grew up in Long Island. I definitely didn't want to go back to Long Island, but I, I, I never thought I'd end up in New Jersey. I don't know. All I, I joke, all I know of New Jersey was like Newark and driving up, you know, the highway and being like, oh gosh, this is New Jersey. Like, <laughs> I didn't know anything about the beaches. I didn't, I didn't understand why it was called the Garden State, but um, <laughs> definitely over the years have, have grown to understand that. Um, so before I had children, I worked as an interior designer in Manhattan and in Atlanta. I'm a stay-at-home mom now ever since I had my oldest but I do do freelance design work. I did freelance many years after the birth of my oldest daughter and now do it on and off depending on what opportunities come my way. So I am a stay-at-home mom, although I think now I'm, I'm supposed to be saying I'm a work-at-home mom because I do write. And a couple of years back, Elise and I met at a Bible study and we had this crazy idea that we could unite women in New Jersey around Christ. And so we started Circles of Faith, which was an online community. We had writers, uh, we, we published content, and that's been a wonderful journey for my writing. I also blog, but I would definitely say that I, over the last few years, have spent more time focusing on Circles of Faith than my own writing. But it's in recent months that I've really kind of got back to my own personal writing and, and, and have started writing about the things that I'm excited to talk about. I have three kids, ages 9, 11, and 13, uh, two girls and one boy, and they keep me crazy busy. They love sports, and so I am driving around constantly, taking them to practice and can be found on sports fields throughout our town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So, Elise, yes? you're also a life coach. I am also a life coach. Do you want to tell us a little coach. bit about that? Sure. Um, well, 
I guess I would say since the time I was pretty much born, I've always liked to be a helper. I am a second child, and I think that might be part of the territory for some of us. And um, I had a very lightning bulb moment, lightning, no, light bulb moment, one time uh, when my mother said to me, well, you were in kindergarten, and the teacher called me. She was a little concerned, and she said, Elise is um, trying to nurture her own, you know, friends, and they don't like it. And that is when I had, I, I was like, oh my gosh, well, that's, that's how I've always, so I've always been this way. I'm a nurturer. I'm an encourager. I take people under my wing, even if they're older than me. Um, and so it's almost like from that point forward, I was called junior mommy by my brothers and sisters, not always a positive <laughs> statement. Um, and even my older sister, I was more of her, her mother than she was mine in terms of that, you know birth order stuff. So I've always loved um, sharing. I love collaborating. And I love um, helping people. I love I love helping empower people. Um, part of the whole story thing is about helping people to see that they have a story, that their story matters, that it, it's, um, you know, people, people think that it doesn't and people think that their lives don't matter, I think. And so coaching for me is the culmination of all those kinds of things to all right, now I want to be, I wanted to be equipped, I wanted to be certified so that I could officially help people sort of navigate life, um, help them move from where they are to where they want to be, help them live a more intentional life, a more satisfying life. And so that I have started um, in the past year. And um, I love working with younger women because I'm an older woman and I've learned a lot along the way. And I hope that that can be helpful. And I also love working with couples. I love marriage coaching because to me, marriage is one of the um, really the most important relationships we could ever possibly have. And we all know that it's in a state of crisis in many ways. And I believe that there are really ways that we can learn to love one another better. And, and um, I think coaching can be part of that. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> Noelle, you mentioned that you are writing about friendship. I want to hear more about that. How did you get interested in that topic? I think I just had a realization that I'm just really a terrible friend. So, <laughs> you, know, you know what happened was I moved back to the States and I had a lot of, you know, I have a lot of friends obviously here, but I realized that a lot of those friendships had changed because I was away, you know, our own friendship had kind of morphed to something, you know, like a texting friendship, a once a week on FaceTime friendship. But, like, actually getting together and doing life together, that kind of changed a bit. And if I'm honest, I was a bit kind of bummed out about it. And I really started to, like, ask the Lord, you know, like, why don't my friends want to be with me? And kind of through that journey, I just started to read read my Bible and see how Jesus did friendship. And I thought that was fascinating because he, he says, you know, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. And how he made friends and how he dealt with conflict. And uh, just I just think it's really cool. So I started to write about it on the blog. And then I thought, you know what, there's so much I want to say that I'm learning. And there's so many questions I have that I want to talk about with people. So I started to write a book. And also I'm hopefully going to be launching a podcast in the fall. Uh, telling friendship stories. So that's what I, I love to talk about, what it means, particularly with women, to stand with each other. I think, I think I might have said this before, but 
we've worked so hard as a culture for women to have an, an equal voice in society. And a lot of times we now use that voice to tear each other down. I think that's really sad. And I think it'd be cool what we do with our voice if it was for each other and it was really with each other. So that is what I'm writing about. Oh, that's awesome. I love I loved the topic of friendship and I've learned a lot about it over the last few years. A lot of things that I feel like nobody told me. Yeah. You know, when you transition out of childhood friendships or school friendships into adult friendships, no, nobody tells me, nobody told me what it was supposed to be like and what it was supposed to look like and how I was supposed to make that happen. And um, so friendship, that topic has fascinated me for a long time. So mm-hmm. I look forward to it, hearing mm-hmm. more about it. <clears throat> yeah, That sounds like a book I could have used when we were moving around, you know, mm-hmm. like just learning how to make friends in new situations, especially when you're the person entering a situation rather than the person who has stayed yeah. and is welcoming someone in. You know, you're the one who's always trying to enter in. Yeah. Um, that would have been really helpful for me yeah. and still will be, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you're writing about belonging. So what do you think, um, what's your, your biggest... Thing. What's the most surprising thing that you've discovered about belonging, especially, Kim, since you've moved around so much? Um, I think that the mo- this is really nutshelling it, but I think that belonging a lot of times is a choice. It's really not something that um, it certainly doesn't just happen. Um, you don't suddenly feel like, oh, wow, I belong here. It's really about making um, intentional choices that you're going to, um, you're going to belong to this place and you have to find ways to do that. Um, and oftentimes for me, it's been, um, a a shift in my thinking, like rather than constantly telling myself the same old story, like, Oh, I don't belong here. I can't find friends here. I, I feel so different. You know, it's, um, instead celebrating my differences where I am and, and looking for people who um, are different from me and saying, wow, how can I belong with these people? Like, what what place can I connect with them? Mm. Oh, my gosh. That's so Love great. That. Love that. Love that. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it, it, <clears throat> choice is a big deal when it comes to living life and doing it on purpose. And so oftentimes I think a lot of us default to whatever it is that we're feeling in that moment to determine what truth we believe. Mm-hmm. And so, truth. you know, <laughs> choosing to belong and choosing to pursue friendships and choosing to pr- pursue community, there's just the fruit of it so, so full and bountiful compared mm-hmm. to waiting for it to happen yeah. and waiting for so someone true. else to accept you or waiting mm-hmm. for your friends to make time for you or waiting for relationships to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I definitely felt that in New Oddly enough, the hardest place for me to feel a sense of belonging has been in New Jersey. And I think it's because I kept telling myself that I didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to belong here. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I was always looking for a way out. So, of course, I was never going to feel a true sense of belonging until I accepted that this is my home. This is where God has called me. This is where my relationships are. Mm-hmm. This is where my children are going to grow deep and um you know, these are the memories they're going to have of their childhood. Do I really want them to remember me as just being miserable all the time because of our circumstances? Uh, no, of course not. So, um, you actually, Kimberly, you've been really helpful to me just in terms of like, lit, you're kind of my intention guru. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like living with intention, I was like, oh, what would Kimberly do? Because <laughs> it's probably the opposite of what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I always look to you for that. I think you have some really powerful stuff um, on your blog. And just knowing you personally, I think you have a lot to offer in that area. Oh, thank you. I, just, I, I agree yeah. that intention is, um, is definitely something you've taught me about too, Kimberly. So is that your thing? It is my thing. <laughs> I spent a long time throwing pity parties for not living the life that I want to live. And not and not and it doesn't even have to do with material things and it doesn't even have to do with location. You know, as a young mom, I craved relationships, but I wasn't doing the work it took to create them. I was waiting for somebody to mentor me. I was waiting for somebody to come along and guide the way. I was waiting, you know, I would go to an event and I'd be the person that would just wait for somebody to come up and talk to me, you know, and then I would feel rejected going home like, oh, that church sucks because no one came to talk to me. Couldn't Couldn't they see I was the newbie? I mean, I do have to say that, I mean, I prayed for a writing mentor forever and God brought Elise into my life. So I do believe that he will bring people into your life. I certainly didn't, you know, say, oh, she seems nice. Let me ask her if she'll pay attention to me. <laughs> God totally so he brought will, us together. Yeah, he will do yeah. that. But there is a part that I have to play. And I think for a number of years, yeah, I was just waiting for life to happen. And it's been recently. I mean, I've always loved personal development. I've always loved personal growth. But it's been in the last handful of years that I really decided that I want to live intentionally. I want to figure out what I want my family to look like and then work backwards from there. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out what are the things that I want to teach my children and then work back from there. Let's figure out how to get me to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so what I write about on my blog, and gosh, it took me a long time to, to put the pieces together to see what was already there, what I was already talking about, Mm -hmm. was helping families to creatively live a life of intention. And the things I do on my blog are the things I'm doing at home so that I can teach my kids how to use their money wisely, to teach my kids how to pray, to take a Sabbath, to, you know, and I don't always get it right, and my kids will tell you, yeah, we tried that, but then we forgot about that, and we don't do that anymore. Or some not ch- as much. Not as much. <laughs> or some chart I created that we forgot, we just stopped filling in. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I think different seasons, different things stick. I'm tired of throwing pity parties and waiting for life to happen. And Mm -hmm. so being intentional about the way we live and infusing it with creativity. Because as a designer and as someone who loves to create, I don't just want my life to be a series of to-do lists and boxes that I've checked off off to say, oh, I did that. I want to do it creatively. And that's been really fun, embracing who God created me to be so that I can then live life that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that, um, you know, I've watched a lot. I, I've told you this. I've watched a lot of transformation in terms of you accomplishing the things that you really want to accomplish. And I just think that speaks so much to taking responsibility for ourselves. And we don't always do that. Mm-hmm. We kind of just live our life. And intention involves saying, okay, who am I and what do I want to do? And I certainly think that we could have at least one podcast, if not more, on that topic because I think it's a great one. And when you become responsible for who you are, you're so much happier and so much more um, encouraging to other people. You know, you're free of, of a yeah. lot of stuff. So I love, 
I love that um, capturing it that way. I think it's really, really important. Good way to a good way to look at it, and a good way to see the fruits of saying, um, "I'm going to take responsibility for my life. I'm going to live a life that's more intentional." I mean, that's sort of a buzzword these days, but it's really a good one. It's a really good reality. Yeah, so, yeah. very good. So, uh, Noelle, you are writing a book. Uh, Kimberly, you're doing the same, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on. Um, well, I'm I'm in. Uh, graduate school. So there's that. Um, and through the process of going through graduate school, um, I'm writing a book, um, on belonging. So, um, I'm kind of working that out right now, kind of behind the scenes, trying to figure out what that's going to look like, but it's good. It's good stuff. You know, it's fun to read, not fun necessarily. That's not really the word. It's, um, <laughs> challenging. It would probably be more, more appropriate. Mm-hmm. to use um, to revisit some of those seasons of my life um, and think, gosh, what could have been, you know, if I just tried X, Y, Z. But it's it's been a real, it's been really good for me to revisit those places and kind of look at how far I've come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, uh, Elise? Your life is looking a little bit different than it has in the past. Yeah. What's going on with you? Well, we're in a state of huge transition as we um, pack up and leave our home of 25 years. Mm-hmm. And it's very um, hard for me, honestly. It's It's been a journey of talking about leaving our town and our home for um, two years, at least, and finally doing it. And literally, as we speak right now, there's somebody staging my home, which I say it that way because I don't like it. As I said to Kimberly on my way in the door, this is my home, and you're stripping it down of everything that means anything to me. So it doesn't feel good. Um, I know that there's wonderful things ahead. I know that this is um, a potentially amazing God adventure, and I do trust God with it. But leaving, I'm a home person. I love the home. I love my children and my family. Leaving my home in this way means that part of my life is, a certain part of it is over. And that's, you know, causes a little grief for me. But I am, on the other hand, excited about, uh, we're doing a the classic downsizing. I'm looking forward to spending less money on our living. <laughs> I'm look, I, Luckily, I really love my husband and enjoy him, so I'm looking forward to setting up a new little home together, almost like newlyweds in a way. Sweet. Um, yeah. I mean, it can really be fun. Uh, we do have to get on the same page. We're working that out a little bit. <laughs> this is a little bit more up for an adventure, um, and I kind of feel like we need to stay close to where we are um, for now, for the next several years, because of work and things like that. But um, it's huge, and um, I wish I could get rid of more than I have already, but I figure we'll sell the house, and we'll have a couple of months to go through some of the boxes that are stuffed into our garage right now. But it's it's wonderful and awful, and and I think life is like that a lot, so we're so living in... sweet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so like bittersweet. That's kind of a, a theme of life for me as well. It's just bittersweet. Yeah. You, know, you got to yeah. take the sweet, or you got to take the bitter with the yes, sweet. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's wonderful and awful and bitter and sweet and, yeah. So, you know, it's very hard, very hard for me to leave comfort zone, and I am comfortable where I am. I, I picture myself walking uptown easily and all these things, And um, but, you know, such is life. I'm moving on with my hubby, and, and we're going to have a fun thing happening. So hopefully in some future podcast, I'll be telling you where I'm going to move to. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about that. 
Alright, so we'll wrap it up today. Tell me, each of you take your turn and tell me what is something surprising about you that others might not know. Like, for example, maybe your readers or your followers on social media. Something about you that makes you stand out from the crowd, that makes you who you are. Wow, that is a tough question. <laughs> I will tell you. Okay, I mean, ask it. I'm not sure I know my answer yet. One of the things I'm thinking is, and I think, I, I mean, we'll see if I'm speaking for everybody in some way. I think as bloggers and what we do with our blogs, part of what we try to do is be very authentic and be, mm -hmm. very honest about who we are. I know that's certainly part of what I'm doing. So people know an awful lot about <laughs> <Yeah>. me. Um, <laughs> maybe something surprising, I would say, not so much for my blogger, but maybe for somebody who meets me in a situation. They have no idea the agonizing insecurity that I'm going through at that moment. The terrible self-consciousness. Even now, even though I feel like I've grown light years from where I used to be. And it goes back to that intentional and, and coming into a room and kind of instead of going, okay, somebody come, come somebody come talk to me. It's okay, who am I going to talk to and, and, and get over myself. But um, that is still something that plagues me. And I can come away from a situation and kind of beat myself up about what I didn't do right. Um, and I don't think that shows that much. Kimberly certainly knows it because yeah. we work together so much. <laughs> But again, that, I would say that's maybe surprising that I'm as insecure as I really am. I did not know that about you. It's You certainly cover it very well. <laughs> there you oh go. Gosh, every time we go to a conference, I'm like, I'm just going to stay with you. I'll <laughs> let you start every conversation. I'll just tag along. Well, it's funny because I do love people, so yeah. it's not that hard for me to talk to them. But the feelings mm -hmm. are, and the lies, there's lots of lies still going mm -hmm. on. But, um, and I have learned something about friendship and and relating to people in that I really credit my father I watched my father do this and it's bottom line is you make things about other people not always about you know it's not about you it's about hey what are you doing what, what's up with you I really I really want to hear your story yeah helps to be interested in people's stories so okay. all right here really well do you have something oh gosh I, I like you I write so much about my life that I feel like everyone's heard pretty much every story that I have, um, about myself. And I definitely write a lot about my insecurities. So, um, I tend to be a very fearful person about pretty much everything. Like if you can be afraid of it, I probably am. So, um, it's probably surprising that people, I mean, people do know, like I'm a fearful person cause I don't, I don't shy away from that, but I still do things even in that fear. So I, um, but that definitely doesn't come across in your blog writing. Oh, no? No. Nor as a person that I know. Because <laughs> I probably sound like a crazy person. No, you sound very, like, thoughtful so, and so what goes on? what goes on in your head is the crazy stuff. You're not really <laughs> telling us all that. There you go. That is the secret. What goes on in my head is way crazier than what comes across on the page. Oh um, yeah, so I, I've done things like I got certified as a scuba diver. Um, and have not scuba dived since because, you know, sharks. Um, I that seems legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Terribly, terribly afraid of heights. And I did paragliding with my son when he was nine years old off of um, a mountain in the Alps, wow. which was terrifying. It was, um, I just wanted to puke the whole time, you know. <laughs> so I tend to do these things and I don't really know. Oh, I think I remember I, you writing about that. Yes, I did write about that because I was like, I mean, and I learned, to, I, I'm a terrible skier, hate skiing. Like, I legitimately cry when I have to go skiing. Um, and I went, 
I went skiing with my kids one time and I was like, I'm going to conquer this. And I, I ended up crying in the parking lot while they were finishing up their runs because it was so horrible. <laughs> like this, this is my life. This is really what happens behind the scenes. So, but I love your courage that you go for it anyway. I think that's <laughs> awesome. I do. I uh, hopefully, hopefully I am developing a heart of courage that that would be ideal for mm-hmm. sure. How about you, you know? Do you know? Something surprising about me, I don't think people know, but I absolutely love tattoos, but I would, I don't have any. (laughs) And like, like uh, my husband and I, we, we so binge watch that show, Ink Master. And it's funny because I just signed Troy up to be a canvas for the show because, you know, it's recorded in New York and he's like, what about you? And I'm like, no. (laughs) <laughs> nah, because I'm a, I'm I just I'm such a chicken when it comes to pain. So no, I think tattoos are really cool, and like I'm kind of awkward when I see somebody that has one. I'm like, tell me about your tattoo, and they're like, who are you, weird person, talking to me about my tattoo? But I love tattoos, and well, I yeah, maybe one day I'll get one. But I have two candidates for you that you could speak to. Lauren, my stepdaughter has lots of tattoos. Oh, I would love to meet her. Her husband has much, and my daughter Farrell's Boyfriend Scott has a new sleeve. Oh, oh my yeah. god! That is just wild. Along with a few other tattoos. I keep on like looking up on Pinterest like tattoos I want my husband to get, and he's like, "That's not really how it works." That's <laughs> <laughs> true. They're kind of personal. Though. Yeah. Tree. <laughs> he's like, "I'm not getting a tree." So yeah, no, I love it, and like I love the whole tattoo culture, and I like to talk about it. Like I have one, but I'm such a hypocrite. I don't have. <laughs> Do you ladies have tattoos? No. No, but I've been looking at, um, like, tattoo pens because I would love to, like, play around with tattoos. I would love to, like, have one for a week or so and then put a new one on. And I want to make my own tattoos, like, fake ones, of course. I like that idea. Yeah. Have you gone to Etsy? They have some awesome temporary tattoos you can get. Oh, no, I have to go on Etsy. That could be fun. They have some really fun temporary tattoos that look like, you know, real tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And they last about a week, and I'm I've been eyeing up a few. Yeah, oh, and I might just keep on putting them on like every week. Get like a. All right, so next yeah. time we get together, we can all support <laughs> a temporary tattoo. Maybe we'll do one um, where we we all put one together. We'll we'll choose one for ourselves, and then we'll we'll talk about why we chose them because it is yeah. interesting. People definitely don't do tattoos without thought. Yeah, they mm-hmm. absolutely mean something. Yeah. So Kimberly, we've put it off long enough. <laughs> All right. What so I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna piggyback on, on on two of you, Elise and Noel. Um, I would say that when people might find surprising that I don't really like to be in large groups of people. I I get very insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do better in one-on-one situations. I even do better with a, a small group. Um, but if I'm in that small group, I really like to run the show. I really don't want to sit down. I feel insecure sitting down and being vulnerable with people. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I, I mentioned it to a friend once, and he was like, you? Like, he just couldn't believe it, because I do tend to be a little bit of a social butterfly, but I think that that probably masks some insecurity and some vulnerability that I'm not willing to have with people. Um, but, Noelle, it was interesting what you said about the tattoos, because... So I'm giving two. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. <laughs> but I... I secretly want to stand out like as much as I want to fade into the background and really kind of going back to the being in the group. Like I I don't mind fading into the background. I like standing out and I like the idea of a tattoo because like none of my friends have them, 
Um, when I was in college, I drove a pink geo tracker. And if I had have had the money, I would have put the lights, the neon green lights underneath the, yeah. the, the carriage that would glow <laughs> on the street. Instead, I got the neon license plate. Um, growing up in Long Island, I guess there's a tendency to, to be that. Um, Not at all. And, I mean, on like, this is a throwback to growing up, but still that, like, inner desire to stand out. Like, we'll be in the minivan, and if, like, Group One Crew comes on my iPod, like a song with a lot of bass, I will turn it up. My kids are mortified. I was like, no, 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 we had big bass in, in high school. We drive around, and people, like, I love that. Like, I, yeah. but, you know. I live in the suburbs of New Jersey. I don't know that that would... <laughs> Sounds like Billy Joel or something, you know, like picturing him out on Long Island growing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, give me, like, a boom, 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 boom. I mean, I love that. And um, recently I put, like, some pink streaks in my hair. Um, I love it. But, so, I mean, I would say that secretly I want to stand out, but I'm, I'm a little too afraid to kind of go there. And I think it's your creativity, too. Yeah. That's your streak. Mm. So your pink streak... My pink streak is it's tucked underneath, so you have to like really see it to see it anyways. <laughs> Not at first. I yeah. noticed it right away. I yeah. Cool. I'm the same. I just want to pay the price of pain. I don't even have earrings. I don't even wear earrings. <laughs> oh, my god. I want gosh. to stand out and be like a punk and be cool, but I don't want to feel any pain. Yeah. <laughs> no needles. No needles involved. No, no needles. Yeah. No, I don't think I'd ever get a tattoo, but I like the idea. Well, I like yeah. the temporary tattoo thing. I think that's something we should do. Let's do it. Yeah. That's fun. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope this lets our listeners get to know you a little bit better as much as I've enjoyed getting to know you. I'm glad that they're having the opportunity to know you as well. And so thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of Slices of Life. In upcoming episodes, we'll be talking about summer expectations, friendship, experiencing Sabbath, and navigating life's transitions. We hope you'll join us again, and if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us online at circlesoffaith.org. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Circles of Faith.